Good morning, RCC. Welcome to the eve of your summer break that's coming up. And because we're so close to summer, uh, we're starting a series called Psalms of the Summer. Our teaching team, we've kind of been digging around, uh, uh, looking through the Psalms and kind of meditating on what it is that we want to teach over the next uh, couple of months. And what we've done is we've selected eight Psalms that we want to walk through together this summer as a family here at RCC. And we want you to walk through these Psalms with us, okay? Uh, Later today, what we'll do is we'll take these eight psalms and we'll post them up on social media so that you can see where where it is that we're going to be going. And uh, we know that some people like to to study ahead and like to read ahead. We just want to give you a heads up. Uh, And so uh, find those a little bit later. And we're starting this morning the Psalms of the Summer. And you might be wondering, why are we choosing psalms to kind of kick off the summer? Well, here's why, okay? We're in a really weird time uh, of life uh, that, that comes along with some pretty weird emotions, comes along with some pretty weird experiences that we're walking through. And because of that, you might be kind of wandering around thinking to yourself like, man, am I normal? It, it, like, it, are the feelings that I'm feeling right now, are, are they normal? Or am I, am I going crazy? Am I weird for feeling these things? <clears throat> I'm stressed. I'm worried. I'm a little nervous about my money. I'm a little nervous about getting sick, or I'm nervous about like other people getting sick uh, around me. Uh, Or you might be feeling like, man, I'm not feeling anything. Is that weird? Or the feelings that I'm having, or I I feel like people all around me are going crazy, and they're making me crazy because they're going crazy. And and, and so you're just like, man, I just want to get back to normal, whatever normal might be for you. But I want you to know that whatever it is that you're feeling, whatever it is that you're experiencing right now, I want to guarantee you that you're not the only one who's ever felt the way that you feel right now. And, and, and I want to spend the, the time that we have in, in the Psalms over the next eight weeks to prove that your emotions and your experience are probably mostly normal by looking at these Psalms together, okay? But you still might be wondering, why the Psalms? You know, why not somewhere else? Why, why the Psalms? Well, the Psalms are 150 Hebrew poems, and, and I'm going to call them poem songs because they were, these were poems that were written with the express intent to be sung, right? So we're going to call these poem songs. There were 150 Hebrew poem songs that were put together by people like you and me who were kind of working through some stuff, right? They, they were working through some experiences and feelings and wondering, like, what on earth is going on? How long are you going to make me go through this, Lord? Or when are you going to show up? Or, Lord, I am full of all kinds of joy. And they're just walking through all kinds of things, and and they didn't know always what to do with those emotions and some of those feelings, and so what they did was they just took them, and they they kind of, they wrote them all down, and then they sung them back to God. They worshiped Him with those emotions and their experiences and their feelings, and so if you've kind of, over the, over the last couple of months or whatnot, you've been just kind of singing out loud in your car or singing out loud in the kitchen or in your room, and you're just kind of making up the lyrics to the song, and you're wondering, like, why on earth am I just singing like this? I want you to know that you're probably normal, all right? You probably haven't lost your mind. Maybe you have, I don't know, but you probably have it. Um, That's what the Psalms were about. They were about people pouring out their emotions, pouring out the emotions of their heart, wherever they were, whatever it was that they were going through, whether they thought it was crazy or normal or out there or not very far out there, whether it might have even been um, emotions of anger, they were bringing all that together And they were throwing it out to God and saying, okay, God, here it is. Here's everything that I'm going through. And now what? What are you going to do? What what am I going to do? How how, how are we going to work through this thing? And so these are 
150 songs arranged in five different books in the book of Psalms or the Psalter there that take all the emotions and the experiences uh, that took place uh, for, for the history of Israel over about a, a thousand year period or something like that. And it brings all those emotions and experiences together that we're not necessarily foreign to. Things that we go through and experience to takes all of that and lays it down at the feet of the Lord. And, and, and they expect God to show up in that place. And so in a nutshell, these songs led people to worship. In a nutshell, it led them to worship as an individual, but it also led them to worship corporately because they sang them in the midst of the corporate worship time as well. And so what we're going to do is our prayer is going to be throughout our time in this series, throughout these eight psalms that we go through, we're going to pray that they lead us to a place where we bring everything that we're going through, everything that we're experiencing and feeling, the things that we might think are just a little bit crazy, and we lay them down at the feet of the Lord, and we say, here, Lord, here it is. Let it lead me to a place of worship, where a place where I worship you and you alone. Okay, and so let me, let me pray for us right now as we get ready to dive into Psalm 1, as you get ready to turn to Psalm 1, and we'll dive into our first one of the series, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we have the opportunity, wherever we're sitting at and wherever we're watching or listening from, Father, to engage with your word, to bring everything that we're going through and to bring it at your feet, and what we want to do is we want to say, Lord, let it cause us to worship you this morning. So would you take the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart and the study that's going in this week, would you take it and use it for um, our good and for your glory? Let it lead us to a place where we get to worship you. Use my mouth this morning to encourage your people, I pray, God. It's in Jesus' name, amen. So if you haven't already turned there, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1. Uh, I want to start there this morning uh, first, because as you're starting something new, I think it's always good to start at the very beginning, right? Not in the middle or the end, but to start at chapter 1. Um, but secondly, I, I think Psalm 1 kind of lays out the groundwork for how we approach the rest of the Psalms in wisdom and how we approach God in the midst of that too. And so it's a good place to start. Um, but lastly, uh, I want to start in Psalm 1 because this psalm is actually pretty um, special to me, specifically this year. Uh, at the beginning of each year, uh, right after New Year's, um, I, I kind of look for um, a verse or uh, a set of text that I just kind of hang the rest of the year on. And the Lord, um, this year, He led me to Psalm uh, 1. <clears throat> and when I read Psalm 1, I was like, well, this is who I want to be. I, I want to be a tree that's planted by the water. I want to be a person who, who, who's happy in my life, genuinely happy. I want to be a person who is, uh, who is push, uh, per, pursuing the Lord. I, I want to be somebody who's got roots that run down deep. I want to be characterized by what this psalm says uh, of us, Lord. And, and so uh, Psalm 1 is pretty special to me um, personally, but I don't always act out of the wisdom uh, uh, that this particular psalm shows. Uh, sometimes I'm actually quite foolish, maybe even a little more foolish than I would like to admit to you right now, um, but even more so, even like to admit to myself. And I'll tell you how, uh, just a small example of that. Last summer, 
my neighbor came over and said, hey, bud, I just want to tell you that there's something uh, that's getting onto your pine trees uh, that are back there in your backyard. And if you don't do something about it, it's going to wipe out your trees. You got to do something about it. And guys, I just have to say, my neighbor is awesome. Love my neighbor. Love spending time with them. Love the wisdom that he was giving me in that moment. And so I said, thank you. And the truth is, I just kind of went about my business because I don't know anything about trees and I don't know anything about bugs that destroy your trees or diseases that destroy your trees. And so I didn't know what to do. So I just kind of went about my business like he had never said anything, went about my business like nothing was going to happen. Secretly, I think I was hoping that the tree would just kind of fix itself, that it would run its course and it it would be fine. What could go wrong by doing nothing on that, right? Well, A lot could go wrong by doing nothing. It wasn't uh, very long before I was looking out the back window of, uh, in our kitchen, and I was looking at the trees like, ooh, those don't look right at all. They were kind of browning out, and it really looked like they were dying. And I said, hey, Ashley, um, won't you come take a look at uh, these uh, trees back here and tell me what you think? She's like, ooh, those don't look very good. Those look like they're brown and they're dying. I said, yeah, that's what I thought, but they're evergreens. They're supposed to be green all the time, right? And she said, yeah, they're supposed to be green all the time. Well, about that time, my neighbor came back over and he said, hey, if you don't do something about your trees, they're going to die. And this time, as he came over, he brought uh, a bottle of pesticide with him and said, here, go spray your trees. And now I had the wisdom and now I had the ability to go and do what he had told me to do. And guess what happened? The pesticide helped my tree from not dying. It worked. My trees didn't die. They didn't die. Unfortunately, I was a fool from the very beginning, though. I didn't take the information that I had to go and keep my trees from dying. I could have saved more of them than what actually happened. He said, this is what's going to happen if you don't help your trees. This is what's going to happen if you're a fool and do nothing. And this is what could happen if you're wise and go out there and give your tree life. But I certainly would like to believe um, in my heart that I'm not the only one who's acted foolishly like this, right? Whether it be in the context of horticulture, taking care of my trees, or it be in the context of anything else. I'm, I'm just banking on uh, the, the, the truth, I hope, that I'm not the only one who acts foolishly like this. I'm guessing that maybe you've done something a little bit silly like that too, hopefully, maybe. Um, but I know from Scripture, though, that scripture is full of God painting the picture of wisdom versus foolishness. The wise person versus the fool, the man who builds his house on the rock and the man who builds his house on the sand, or uh, the, the person who goes out and plants when it's planting season and then he goes out to harvest and he's got something to harvest versus the person who's a sluggard who does nothing. He doesn't go out and plant, but then he goes out during the harvest season to go out and find his food, but there's nothing there. And, and the Proverbs are full of all kinds of pictures of wisdom versus foolishness. Scripture is full of pictures portraying this contrast between the two. And this first psalm, Psalm 1, it grabs a hold of that picture. And I I just want to kind of put all the cards out on the table right here from the very beginning. And so if you've got a pen and you've got a paper, I want you to grab it. I want you to write this phrase down, okay? And, and, And here's what I want you to write. Wise people purposefully cultivate delight in God. And I'll say it again. Wise people purposefully cultivate delight in God. Fools do nothing. Fools do nothing. Doesn't that sound true, right? Like, like it does, right? 
um, it's a good thing, it's wise to delight in God, and it's a foolish thing to absolutely do nothing. But at the same time, this sounds a, a little bit harsh, maybe even a little bit too harsh, but the foolish person, they kind of act like nothing that they do matters. <clears throat> they act like nothing that they do is going to affect any outcome of his or her life. While the wise person, on the other hand, they cultivate this genuine delight in, in God, and they look for ways to experience Him. They look for ways to grow in Him. They look for ways to know Him. They look for ways to grow in Him more and more each and every day of their life because they know that this life isn't the end, right? They know that how they live right now matters, and it matters more than they think it matters, right? We talked about that not too long ago. But it doesn't just matter for themselves. It matters for the people that are around them as well. And so at the end of the day, they know, the wise person know, that how they live affects their genuine experience of God, getting to know Him. And so I, I want to read down here through, through Psalm 1, and, and let's just see how the psalmist talks about this wisdom and this foolishness or this wickedness and righteousness here. Psalm 1, verse 1. <clears throat> and I want you to notice the progression that happens here from uh, all the way down in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You see that? Walk, stand, sit. It's like it's spiraling down into this place of depravity where you just get comfortable in it. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked aren't so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, when you read this, it's, it's super clear that there are two different ways of living that gets presented here, right? You have the way of the righteous, and you have the way of the wicked. You have a way that leads to life, and you have a way that leads to death. And so from the very beginning in this text, I want to pose this question. I just want to kind of throw this out there for you to think about, and maybe even to let be the driving thought of your mind this morning, or maybe even to be the expression of your heart to the Lord this morning is who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? In this season of your life right now, who are you becoming? And are you becoming who you want to be becoming? Are becoming who you dream that you would be becoming one day? And here's a question on, on top of that. Which path are you choosing? Are, are you choosing uh, the path of the fool that leads to death and destruction? Or are you choosing the path of wisdom that leads towards life, and it leads towards righteousness, and it leads towards godliness. Which path are you choosing? Are you comfortable with who you're becoming right now? Who are you becoming? I, I want you to look at these two examples. First, you have the blessed man, and Scripture, I think, allows for us to translate this or encourages us, actually, to translate this as the happy man in the original language or the happy person. The, the blessed person is, is somebody who is, um, the way that it's defined here, is somebody who is in the family of God, right? By the goodness of God, they have been brought into relationship with Him. 
But it doesn't mean that there aren't times in their life where they walk in ways that they shouldn't walk, walk in ways that are contrary to the way of a kingdom citizen, right? And so that doesn't, that lends to, there are times in their life where maybe that person isn't happy or they're not content or they're not thriving and as they chase after and, and soak in the goodness of God. So there's a contrast here. So he's saying the blessed man or the happy man, and I'm just going to call this person uh, the wise man or the wise person, the, the wise and the happy person. They're wise and they're happy because of a few specific choices that they've made. And, and there are some things that they've said, we're going to do this. And there are some things that they've said, we're just not going to do that. It's not like they just kind of wake up in the morning and say, man, I am happy and blessed. Man, I am content with everything that's going on in my life. I love everything about my life is great. No, they've woken up and they've made some intentional decisions saying, these are the things we're going to do. And these are the things we're just not going to do. And here in verse 1, the wise person, the happy person, the psalmist says there are some specific things that they don't do. And the wise person, they've said, I'm not going to get my advice from people who just don't care about God. I'm not going to get my advice from people who could care less about the Lord. There, there's this um, in, in our day and age, and, and it's true then too, there were seers, there were people that they could get advice from, just the general contractor who was down the road who didn't know anything that they were talking about uh, versus the person who actually knew what they were talking about. But it's no different in our time right now though, right? There are people who actually know what they're talking about, who have all kinds of wisdom, and there are people who don't. And it would be foolish to go to the person who doesn't know what they're talking about <laughs> versus the person who knows what they're talking about. But in our day and age, man, there are endless streams of information, that, and, and everybody's willing to give advice. They're willing to, to, to talk about um, the things that they think that they know, or the things, but they don't know anything about it. You don't have to go very far, right? You can pull up any element of social media, and you can see all kinds of foolish people that are throwing out knowledge on things that they don't know anything about but then people are biting that bait and they're listening and they're following that advice. But the wise person is somebody who's saying, like, I'm not just going to blindly follow anybody. So the question is, will I foolishly take the advice from anyone or will I filter the advice that I take in? If, if I want advice on how to fix my car, I'm not gonna ask somebody who doesn't know what they're doing or know anything about cars although I've done that in the past, and it's been quite costly. Don't do that. Talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about. If my phone is broken or my computer is broken, I'm definitely not going to somebody who's made it their life goal to get off the grid, who said, man, I don't want anything more in my life than just to be untraceable. I don't want anything to do with phones. I don't want anything to do with computers. I just want to be done with all that. I would be foolish to take my device to that person to fix it. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to take it to somebody who knows what they're doing. And in the same way, if I need advice <clears throat> on how to live a fruitful life, if I need advice to know how to live in the kingdom, if I want to know how to grow in wisdom, I'm not asking somebody who knows nothing of Jesus. I'm not asking somebody who could care less about knowing Jesus. I'm going to somebody who's been faithfully walking with him. And when you look at their life, you see the evidence of fruit in their life. <clears throat> when you look at him, you're like, man, that dude is following hard after the Lord. And I want to talk to him or, or that gal, man, she just loves the Lord. You can see it all around her. Everything that she does is about the Lord. 
And, and you say, hey, listen, um, could you come over here? I'm going to holler at you for a minute, okay? I want to ask you a, a couple questions. I, I, I need some advice. I want to know how to grow. I want to know how to pursue God. The, the wise person says, I'm going to filter the advice that I get. Where are you getting your advice from? Who are you getting your advice from? Who are you going to allow to a shepherd your heart and to shepherd your emotions? The psalmist says here, stay away from getting advice from the wicked. Stay away from getting advice from the fool. The person from whom you take advice just might be shaping your life way more than you think that they might be, right? Here's another thing that the wise person doesn't do. The wise person doesn't stand in the pathway of sinners. And here's what he means by that, that they are intentionally evaluating who is currently in their life. And that, that doesn't mean that they don't associate with people who don't know Jesus at all. Um, it, it doesn't mean that you don't associate with people who don't look like you, act like you, think like you. That, it doesn't mean that you create these little cliques. <clears throat> but have you ever just kind of in your life you just kind of stop and pause for a second and you look at the people that are around you and, and, and you're just kind of like, bro, like how did, how did you ever like get close to me? How, how did you ever become a part of my circle? Uh, because you are damaging to my health. You are damaging to my spiritual health and my physical health. You, you just are. What the psalmist is saying here is that we need to take an honest evaluation of the people that are around us. Like take a look around your room right now or the car that you're sitting in or um, the room, that you're, wherever you're at. Take a look around. The, the people that you have in your circle, in your sphere of influence, how did they get there? Why are they there? When you look at them, do they suck the life out of your life? Some of you might be looking at each other right now a little bit crazy. I like, don't be thinking about me like that, right? But seriously, evaluate the people that are in your room right now. Do they suck the life out of your life? Are you a different person when you're around them? Or not just the people in your room, the people that are in your sphere of influence. Are you a different person when you're around them, not in a positive way, but in a negative way, right? Are, are they impacting you in ways that you, wouldn't, that you wouldn't dream of being impacted or you don't like? Are they causing you to do things that you don't like about yourself? Are they leading you towards a life of sin? Or are they leading you towards a life of fruitfulness in the kingdom? Like, who are the people that you have in your life? Like, teenagers, I, I know that we've got some that are watching right now, and I'm so thankful to God for you. But this is a huge deal for you in this season of your life because there is peer pressure all around you that's saying, man, fit in, fit in, fit in. Do what he's doing. Do what she's doing. Think how they think. Wear what they wear. Play what they play. Drink what they drink. Smoke what they smoke. Inject what they inject. Poison your brain. Like, there are so much around you that's saying, fit in, fit in, fit in. But I want to tell you right now, don't make the goal of your life to fit in. <laughs> Don't. Don't make the goal of your life to fit in. You make the goal of your life to be faithful. You make the goal of your life to be faithful, and you cause other people around you to be faithful too. Listen to me, mom and dad who's sitting at home right now. Listen to me. Don't look for ways for your kids to fit in. And don't force them into that stuff. Don't force them to live your dream. Don't force them like, to try to fit in because like, you want them to fit in. You be faithful. You be faithful, and you lead them to be faithful. Don't make the goal of your life personally or for your kids to fit in. Make the goal of your life to be faithful. 
And then you lead those around you to be faithful as, as well. The people who you let into your life, it matters. It matters. Don't be afraid to pull the plug on some uh, bad relationships too. Like if there, there are relationships in your life that are just taking you downhill, that are toxic for you, don't be afraid to put that thing on lifeline. And, and, and then it, and if you need to, you pull the plug on that if it doesn't get better. I'm not talking to you if, if, you're, if you're thinking about your spouse right now, right? That, that's not, like if, if your spouse, you're trying to pull the plug on that, let's, let's talk, let's get that thing healthy, let's have a conversation. But don't be afraid to pull the plug on some bad relationships in your life. It might just be for your health, okay? Here's another, the last thing that the, the wise person doesn't do. He doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. Scoffers here, they're, they're mockers. They make light out of serious things. They, they place themselves as judge over anyone and everything, thinking that there is not a day that's going to come where they themselves are going to be judged. They, they themselves, they've, they've disregarded any connection to God, and they want everybody who's in their sphere, in their circle, to be a rejecter of God as well. This is the path of the fool. This is where foolishness leads us to. Walking, standing, sitting to where our life is categorized by the scoffer who's disconnected from God. And he's saying, don't live a life like the fool here. Do you see the spiral down? Walk, stand, sit. The wise person has said, I'm just not going to go down that spiral. I'm going to intentionally look for ways to be faithful and to cultivate my connection to God. And so here's what he says. We don't do all this, but I'm going to do this in verse two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Um, the, the wise person here, they, they've looked and they've said, I see two roads in front of me, one that leads to destruction and one that leads to life. Let me go ahead and slide on over here into the path that's going to lead me to life, and that's going to lead me to experience the life that the Lord has led me to experience in all of its fullness. I'm going to delight in the Word of God. I'm going to look forward to being in His Word. I'm going to enjoy being in His Word. I'm going to chew on it. I'm going to devour it. I'm going to savor it because I know that this is how I get to experience the goodness of a relationship with God. Uh, listen to me. If you want to have this, this walk that's close with the Lord, if you want to grow in your relationship with Him, I'm just going to tell you, there are some things that you can supplement that relationship with, but you can never disregard the Word of God. You cannot take the words that He's given us about Himself and say, those aren't important to me, I'm just going to set those aside. I'm going to enjoy all the other parts of the Christian life because you can enjoy fellowship. You can enjoy connection and community. You can enjoy connection with brothers and sisters in Christ. And you can laugh and you can have a good time. But the fullness of growth in a relation, a growing and close relationship with Jesus will never come apart from his word. It's vitally important to, to, to develop this hunger and this thirst that comes from the word of God or for the word of God. The psalmist says here, the truly happy and wise person is going to take enjoyment and they're going to delight in the Word of God. And I, I get this, okay? You might be sitting there right now, you're like, well, what, what if I don't? <laughs> what if I don't enjoy being in the Word? What, what, if, what if I'm not hungry to be in His Word? What if it's not a, a daily part of the rhythm of my life and I don't even care? It's not, here's what I would say. Um, you, the more you're in the Word of God, 
the more you'll miss it when you're not. But it's hard to miss something you, that you haven't created a love and a hunger for. All right, so I would say to you, as best as you can, man, I would hit your knees. And, and, I, and I, would, I would say, Lord, I want a hunger for your word. I want a hunger for your truth, knowing that the only way that I'm gonna know you for who you say you are is being in your word. Would you give me a hunger, a thirst, and a veracity to know you through your word? And my guess is, because God wants you to know him fully, that he's going to give you a hunger for his word. The next part is that you cultivate that desire to be in his word and use that desire and to actually get into it, okay? Now, the psalmist here, he uses a word that I want to focus in on. He says that he meditates on the word day and night. So I want you to go ahead and circle the word meditates here. It says he meditates on the word day and night night. This is a word that's kind of been robbed from us. It's been robbed by, by the culture. It's been uh, subjected to new age spiritualism and mysticism and this kind of this finding this place of emptiness where you just sit cross-legged on the floor, palms up, you know, doing this mm, kind of thing, trying to get to this place of enlightenment. And enlightenment is where I just empty myself of everything, where I get to this place where I feel or, or don't have anything. There, there's nothing convoluting in my mind. There's just like, I am completely empty. But, but I would say that doesn't have anything to do with the actual meaning of meditation here. That I want us as a, as a culture of people who are following hard after God, I want us to take this back from the culture and understand that meditation is not what the culture has said that it is. Let's steal this thing back. The, the, the idea of meditating was actually to ponder on something, to chew on, on something, and in this context, to, to ponder the truth, to, to swirl it around in our minds, to, to consistently interact with it, um, to interact with that truth in, in our minds. And, and when we meditate on the Word of God, we are, in some way, we are mentally chewing on it until it physically or, or spiritually, it becomes a part of, of who we are. And so we're not really, we're not trying to empty ourselves of anything, right? We're not trying to get to that place where we don't feel or think anything. We're getting to the place where we are intentionally filling our mind with the truth of God so that at given points of our day and at given points and seasons of life, the word is just percolating up inside of us into our hearts and it's working its way through our heart into our mind or into our mind and down to our heart and into our, our actions, right? That the word begins to percolate up when we need it the most. I, I want you to maybe think about it like this. What digestion is to the body, meditating on God's word is to our hearts and, and to our souls here. Now, for me personally, guys, I love uh, a medium grilled steak, man. I, I love the taste of it. I love the tenderness, the juicy of it. Like when it hits my mouth, I'm like, oh, that is heavenly. Thank you, Lord, for this steak, right? And when I eat it, I, I let it just kind of sit in my mouth and, and I taste and I allow my taste buds to kind of explode with that for a while. I just love it. In all of its goodness, I love it. It's the delight to my taste buds. But then, after dinner, what begins to happen is your body begins to break down that steak, right? And as your body digests the steak and it breaks down that food, your body shoots the nutrients from that meat. It shoots the nutrients from your food, and it shoots it to the places of your body that need it, that strengthen your arms, that strengthen your legs, that strengthen even your resolve to the places that need it <clears throat> the most. Now, this is what happens with the Word of God as well. We delight in the Word of God. 
We chew on it. We savor it. Uh, as we read it, we, we just ah, we just kind of take it in. And as it goes in, we just fall in love with it. But the process doesn't stop at just reading the Word, right? Throughout the day, we are thinking about those words that we've read. We are processing those words that we've read. We are digesting that meal that we had in the morning and feasting on God's Word. And it begins to shoot out and nourish the places of our bodies that need it during that moment. It begins to shoot out, and it helps us to make the decisions that we need to make during the day. It begins to shoot out, and it guides our interactions with people. We let the truth that we're digesting and meditating on <clears throat> guide the way that we interact with people throughout our day. Like for me, man, it, man if, if I'm, uh, I, I, how, how do I respond to this dude who's just driving me crazy? He just won't get off my case, and man, he's on my nerve after nerve after nerve after nerve, and he just won't go away. And then all of a sudden, the word begins to percolate up, and oh, I don't respond to a fool in his folly. Oh, great, thank you. I, I respond in grace, and I respond in truth, and I'm kind. I don't return evil for evil. Oh, God, thank you for percolating your truth up into my life. I got you. See, when we meditate, it's not sitting down and reading all day, although we can do that. We can spend a day just being fully engulfed in Scripture. What meditating is, is taking what we've been reading and it's letting it percolate into our heart, into our mind throughout the day. And we ask ourselves this, how does the word speak to my circumstance? How, how does the word speak to the situation and, and how do I navigate the situation that I'm in right now? This is delighting and meditating on God's word. This is where the truth of God fills the gap of the reality of our life, when we take what we've been reading, we begin to put it into practice. And when we do, here's the beautiful image of Hebrew poetry that pops off the page in verse three. He says that the wise person's like a tree. He's like a tree that's been planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that it does, he prospers. And all that he does, he prospers. And, and this is the image that at the beginning of the year, I said, Lord, I want this to be true of me. I, I want to be a man who's planted by the streams of water. I want to be a tree who's growing in its season. I want to be a tree who's bearing fruit. I want to be a tree who's got roots that go down deep. I want to be a tree that's bearing fruit, not only that I get to enjoy, but others get to enjoy as well. This is the picture that I had in my mind. And I think this is the picture of wisdom and a healthy, growing life with the Lord. I want to ask you, does this picture in verse 3, does it characterize your life? Who are you becoming? Are you happy with you, who you're becoming? Are you choosing a path of the fool that leads toward death and destruction? Are you choosing the path of life that leads towards goodness and godliness and righteousness that leads towards life, the path of the wise? In the world of the, the psalmist, they would go out into uh, fields, right? Like the, the, the area of Israel, it was um, kind of, it's got all kinds of different terrain. There's grassy areas, but there's also rocky terrain. Uh, and in those rocky terrains, uh, uh, on these, um, these arid kind of wadis where water really isn't getting to, the psalmist would have certainly been familiar with those, with those images. And in those areas, trees grow up and there's no water there to, for them to, to feast on. There's no water for them to shoot down roots. And what ends up happening is those trees dry up and they die. And so the psalmist would have definitely been aware of, of that image. 
But the psalmist would have also been aware of the trees that were intentionally planted by these water canals that were dug out for for vegetation and for watering plants and for watering uh, food and for, in fact, watering trees. When we read this psalm, one of the images that comes to our mind is this tree that's planted by kind of a brook that's uh, flowing by. It's a nice, easy brook, right? And that's a great image, and, and trees do do that. Um, but the image that, that the psalmist is talking about here is that this is a tree that gets planted in these canals or right by these canals where, where uh, they are intentionally planted there by these canals so the roots can go down deep, so that the roots can be watered, so that the, the trees can be nourished, and so that the trees can digest that, uh, that, that nutrients and send it out to the leaves and so that the leaves never wither and so that there's fruit on that tree. This is what the psalmist is saying here. The wise person intentionally plants himself by the source of water that's going to give them life. And what happens is, when there's a drought, they're not affected because they're well watered. The source of their water hasn't dried up. The source of their life hasn't dried up. The roots then go down deep. And it gives it a base so that it can be stable in unstable times. So when storms come and they rock the tree, that the tree might take some hits. It might take some bruises. It might have some scars. But the tree's not going down because the roots are dug sound so deep and they've spread out wide as well. This means that you can be stable in unstable times. It means that the trees are well nourished in times of famine. They're fruitful when everything else suggests that it shouldn't be fruitful right now. They're useful to others when, um, uh, when other people would say, well, just be useful to yourself. They are a well-watered tree. Guys, is this the picture of your life? Are you intentionally cultivating ways that we can grow in the Lord and let those roots go down deep? <laughs> That's the picture of the tree, but here's the contrast in verse 4. The wicked aren't so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. You see the difference in the two pictures? A healthy tree and chaff. The, the image there is of the old threshing floor that wheat would be brought and it would be beaten on the threshing floor and then that wheat would be thrown up in the air and the kernels of the wheat would, would fall to the ground and then the chaff would be blown away by the wind. There's no roots there. There's no life there. Really, there's no use for it and the wind blows it away. A healthy tree versus chaff. Verse five, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Because are you becoming who you want to be? Are you becoming a well-watered tree? Or are you like chaff who's blowing away by the wind? There are clearly two different ways to live here. A way of wisdom that leads to life and a way of foolishness that leads to death and destruction. What I want to do is I want to invite you at the beginning of this series, family, RCC, I want to invite you to be a tree, to be a tree with us that's well watered, to be a tree whose roots that go down deep. I want to invite you to grow with this this summer. I want you to plant yourself by the water and cultivate this relationship with Jesus, the one who gave his life so that you could have life the one who has given you life. And not only has he given you life, he wants to be your life. I want to invite you to to be a tree and to let his life be your source of life at least over the next eight weeks. 
I want you to spend this summer with us reflecting on the goodness of God. Maybe that means that we memorize some scripture together. Maybe that means we memorize some of these psalms together that you uh, ponder on and you chew on these psalms, at least these eight psalms. Maybe you even make a commitment that each day of these next couple of weeks that you're going to read a psalm a day. You're just going to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it and I'm going to spend some time meditating on it throughout the day. Maybe this week you, you write down your emotions, you write down what you're feeling and what you're experiencing, and with that you bring it to the Lord and, 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 you, and you cry out to Him and you say, this is where my heart is. This is what I'm feeling right now. Maybe you even turn that into a song and you sing it out to the Lord. Uh, this week, um, I was a little bit convicted um, by the fact that I hadn't really been doing uh, scripture memory. I know it doesn't affect my relationship with the Lord in the sense that he doesn't frown at me, but it definitely invites me to experience him more. And, and so uh, what, what I did is I, I took some, uh, one of my old scripture cards and I placed it on my steering wheel. I just kind of taped it to the steering wheel. I said, Lord, I'm going to lock this passage into my mind this week. It's Romans 4, and it's uh, verse 20 and 21. I'm not going to say it to you right now because inevitably I'm going to forget it as I say it. Um, but catch me on the side and, and see if I've, I've locked it in. Uh, that's one that I'm trying to um, put into my memory uh, right now so that I just remember the Lord's faithfulness uh, to his promises, okay? Um, maybe that's something that you do. But I want to invite you this week to be a tree. Choose the path of life. Be a tree that's well watered. Would you pray with me? Lord, thanks for our time together. Thanks for your word. Help us this week to be a tree who's well watered by you. Be the source of our life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, RCC.